going to go straight into uh, the preaching of the Word. And this morning I want to share at the end of the year about offloading some weights. So the passage that I've take, chosen is from Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to be reading the first three verses. Hebrews chapter 12 and the first three verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted, just so far. This is an incredible passage. <clears throat> it's an incredible passage of Scripture because it kind of uh, gives a perfect summary <clears throat> of the Christian life. It gives us a goal, and our goal is there is a course set before us. We are not like tourists that go out and wander and look at the scenery and then return to the same place. We are pilgrims on a journey. There is a course set before us, and we are to, to, to carry that course out. There is nothing less than looking towards Jesus. That is our goal. And there is an incredible cloud of witnesses that has surrounded us, that is looking at us, the guys that have gone before, the, the people that have gone before us, uh, the great heroes of the faith, they're, they're looking out for us. They're watching us, hoping and praying that we would really serve God with all our hearts. There is this cloud of witnesses that has surrounded us. And we are running this race. And there are two requirements that, are, uh, uh, that we, we set aside every weight, that we don't allow sin to entangle us, and that we are to look to Jesus. And so this is what I want to preach on uh, this morning, we're to look to Jesus because if we look at one another, we're going to have a bit of a problem. We, we, if, we, if we look to, to, to somebody who is um, not as far down the Christian road as what we are, we could be filled with pride. So, you know, uh, look at them. We're so much better. We're so much further down the road. And if we look at somebody who is a little bit further down the road, we could be filled with envy. And pride and envy are not a good thing. Look, look, look to Jesus. But the requirement, and this is what I want to spend some time on today, is to talk about offloading some of the weights. Some of the weights. In 1991, 30 years ago, I was on a promotional tour to, to Israel. The, the entire, the airfares, the hotel, it was only for pastors. We got a special, special deal. <coughs> it was 920 rand. Hello. Long time ago, when the rand was actually a little bit more, was stronger than, than it is now. <laughs> it's pretty weak. And, but anyway, we went on this promotional tour. So I announced to my congregation back then, uh, that I would be going to Israel. And one of the old guys that was part of the congregation came to me and he said, you know, we've got a daughter that's serving uh, in, in, in Jerusalem and we would love to send her some stuff. 
You know, immediately he asked me, and I thought, oh, here comes a problem, you know. But he was such a wonderful guy, just full of the joy of the Lord. And I said, um, reluctantly, okay, make sure that it's a small bag. No, just some toiletries. Just some toiletries we want to send to our daughter in Jerusalem. So I said, okay. So I wasn't there when he delivered it. And when I got back, I saw this enormous, supposed to be hand luggage. I picked, I picked this thing up, and it was like 12, 13 kilos. And this is hand luggage. And I, I mean, aren't you supposed to only have 20 kilos of luggage and then a little bit of hand luggage? But this thing was like 12 kilos. And I'm thinking, why? Why? So, reluctantly, I put it on the took it, put it on inside the airplane, traveled to Israel with all the other pastors, got out, carried this thing, put it onto a trolley, carried it to the, uh, to the bus. I mean, the unfortunate thing was that we were to do a whole round trip of Israel before Jerusalem. <laughs> I mean, some of you are going, oh, shame. <laughs> you know, after the first day of lugging this thing backwards and forwards from the bus up to the hotel room, from the hotel room down to the bus, I mean, I just like, it's one of the guys, I told one of the pastors, and he said, leave it. Just leave it to tell your person that you lost it. I can't do that. <laughs> but fortunately, the bus driver saw this interaction. He said, just leave it on the, it's locked at night. Just leave it in the, underneath the bus. Leave it in the luggage section and you can get it at the end. And I, that was a lifesaver. But I mean, I just made up my mind. If anybody ever says to me, we've got somebody that we want to send stuff to, the answer is no. <laughs> Don't even try that. It's not good to lug luggage around with you all over the place. And 63 years have taught me travel light through life. Don't travel with lots of emotional baggage. Don't do it. Emotional baggage. A chip on your shoulder. An ugly batch of pent-up anger. Ten years worth of Hard feelings, hurt feelings, three decades of rejection here, and a little bit of resentment there. It doesn't go well. It's an unnecessary weight. And there are two kinds of weights that the Bible speaks about. And one is the mantle of responsibility. Where Daniel had the mantle of responsibility to pray for a nation. We see Ananias had the mantle of responsibility to go and pray for Paul after he had had that encounter on the Damascus Road. It's a, it's, it's, it's a mantle that God places on us, but there's another weight. And this weight that Hebrew talks about, let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, it's difficult to run with overstuffed bags of luggage, baggage in your life. And if there's anything that Satan would have us do, is he would try to load us with stuff that would hinder us in our running and our uh, 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 race that we are doing for Jesus Christ. 
there's a problem. There's a problem. And sometimes we have these self-imposed weights, but other times we just pick up these weights. And it, it, they hinder us. They hinder us. And God looks at us and he says, I would love to give you an assignment. I would love to give you some mantle of responsibility, but I can't because you're just way down. You know, we can't walk in that Jeremiah 29, 11 passage where it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans for peace and not evil, for hope and giving you a future. You know, we can't walk in that because we just have these incredible weights. If the enemy can't stop us, the thing that he'll do, the second best thing he'll do is to weigh us down, to hinder us, to slow us down. And what is a weight? Let's look at that. What is a weight here? It's whatever renders your spirit and your mind uneasy. Hmm. Maybe it's a bunch of neg negative experiences. Maybe it's a resentment. Maybe it's just anger, a bitterness, unforgiveness, undue worry, anxiety that just keep coming to you. How much does this bottle of water weigh? A kilo, okay. That, that's one suggestion. How much? 500 grams. Okay, that's pretty close. Any more suggestions? Huh? 350. No, that's... No, <laughs> no you're going in the wrong direction. Colder, colder, colder. <laughs> okay. Craig was the closest. 540 grams. That's not much. It's not much. If I pick it up and I drink and I put it down, it's not going to affect me at all. But if I hold this, and I hold it like this for a minute, it feels like a minute. If I hold it like an hour, it's going to probably result in me getting a little bit of cramp in my elbow. If I hold this for six hours, it's going to be painful. If I hold it for an entire day, I'm going to have trouble. <laughs> Do you understand where I'm going with this? You see, holding it just for a minute is easy. But if I keep holding it for long, the heavier it becomes. And that's the true, the true thing in life. If we carry a burden that is too heavy to bear, something is going to give. And sooner or later, it's going to break us. A survey was done, and in the survey, they discovered and they looked at people with emotional problems, and people with emotional problems had a 144% more likelihood of having a car accident than those that didn't have emotional problems. In the survey, they worked out that one in every five accidents that took place took place because that person had had a quarrel less than six hours before the accident with somebody else. I mean, the result of that survey was keep short accounts. If you treat somebody badly, make sure that you rectify that as quickly as possible. Don't hold grudges. Don't go to bed angry. If you have injured somebody's feelings and thoughts, 
go to that person and rectify that as quickly as possible. Another thing is that that'll wear you down. That'll become the focus of your attention. If I keep that for 12 hours, I hold that thing out, I mean, I won't be thinking about anything else but the agony of holding this thing. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, the ESV version says that at the end of the age, the Antichrist will come and he will seek, listen to these words, he will seek to wear out the saints of the Most High, to wear them out. And the best way to do that is to load stuff on you. No, no, keep it. Keep that little bit of resentment. Keep that little bit of unforgiveness in your life. And we go around in our lives with these unnecessary weights. And these weights will also cause contamination. Let me speak a little bit about resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. You know that saying, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies? It contaminates you. It absolutely contaminates you. How about a little bit of self-pity? Have you ever felt sorry for yourself? <laughs> There's an, at least one true person, honest person here. <laughs> hmm? poor, poor me, feeling sorry. Have a pity party. I mean, that is a cul-de-sac that you go down and it's going to rick your neck trying to reverse back up that cul-de-sac. And sooner or later, as we go down that road of self-pity, we're going to find that it's no man's land. If only, if only, if only I had been born in a better family. If only I had married a better person. If only I had had that promotion. If only I wasn't in debt. And self-pity is the devil's babysitter, and it is a very destructive tool. How about unbelief? Why does it happen to me? You see, we start off our Christian lives, and sometimes it is said, give your life to Jesus Christ and you won't ever have problems. That's when you do start to have problems. You know, James chapter 1 tells us, count it all joy, brethren. Count it all joy, brethren, when you meet various trials. Our response should be that of joy. You see, belief says, I know what God is doing in my life, and the things that take place will work out for my good. Unbelief simply is refusing to trust God in what he's doing in my life. How about a little bit of anger? <laughs> That's not fair. That's not fair. Anger in the mind is poison to the soul. And the Bible is right. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Keep short accounts. Sort it out. How about blaming? Blaming. Pointing the finger. <laughs> There's always three pointing back at you. A few months ago, we had a woman come into the congregation and she was blaming everybody else from her previous congregation. Just, I said, how about you? What, 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 what did you do wrong? No, I did nothing wrong. 
This is going to be a long conversation. <laughs> long conversation. Blaming. This is the devil's oldest trick. You see, when we blame, it always ends in a wrong result. Blaming never affirms. It always assaults. It never restores. It always wounds. It never solves. It always complicates. It never unites. It always separates. It never smiles. It always frowns. Blaming never builds. It always destroys. It never forgives. It always rejects. And how about discouragement? I'm so discouraged. You know, discouraged will take your legs out from underneath you. And it's the devil's best trick. That's the greatest tool that he, get, he, he, he uses. I mean, the devil had a, a sale one day. And he had all his tools of hatred and envy and jealousy and deceit and lust and lying and pride. But there was one that he kept to the side. And how much is that? No, that's, that's too expensive. You won't be able to buy it. What is it? It's this tool of discouragement. Because he knows that he'll be able to wedge that little tool into your life and it'll incapacitate you. It'll take you out. And how about the weight of unforgiveness? This is a weight that is serious. A weight of unforgiveness. Do you have any unforgiveness towards anybody? This is the thing that's going to trip you up and cause you to land flat, slam right into the puddle of mud. We need to forgive ourselves because if you don't forgive yourself, you're going to have continued condemnation and shame and embarrassment and unworthiness and self-hatred that takes place in your life. If you don't forgive others, there'll be hatred and bitterness and suspicion and range, uh, revenge and jealousy. If you don't, you know, really say, God, I, I, I forgive, then you're going to continue in your doubt, you're going to continue in your unbelief and possibly even walk in rebellion. Forgiveness is essential because this is the thing that shows our obedience to Christ's commands. Jesus said, forgive. You remember that one day Jesus was with his disciples and Peter tried to preempt an answer from Jesus and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive? And in the book of Amos, we see that God forgave three times, but on the fourth time there was no forgiveness. And so he, he, he said, Asked that question, and he knew the Old Testament, so he tried to preempt and said seven times. Thought that he was going to be more generous than the God of the Old Testament. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, that's a lot of times. But does that mean that if Craig offends me 489 times, I can go to him and say, hey, Craig, <laughs> you, you, you've got one more chance, and then I'm not going to forgive you. That, that's not what it means. It means that I have to continue on and on forgiving. It becomes a habit. If you do something 490 times, it's going to become a habit. 
And you keep on and on at forgiveness all the time. It also encourages growth. You know, you can't continue having an experience of the Holy Spirit if you have unforgiveness in your life. Because in John chapter 20, we see Jesus now in his resurrected state. He's got the disciples in the upper room, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And they receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he says directly after receive the Holy Spirit? He talks about forgiveness. And he says, if you forgive the sins of others, my Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive the sins of others, my Father won't forgive you. If we want an ongoing experience of the revelation and the love of God by His Holy Spirit, we have to walk in forgiveness. And forgiveness also ushers in a continued freedom. Jesus told a parable once, and in that parable he told about a, a guy who was brought before the king who owed a huge amount of money, probably an equivalent of 370 million rand. Now, I don't know how a normal servant conjures up such a huge debt, but anyway, that's part of the story, 370 million. And the king says, you owe me money. And the guy says, I haven't got the money. And the king says, I'm going to sell you into slavery to try and recoup some of that incredible cost. And the guy falls on his knees and he cries out, King, have pity on me. Have mercy on me. And the king looks at him and says, Okay. Okay. You're forgiven. I'm forgiven. No, you can go. I've forgiven you. 370. Can you imagine Standard Bank or FNB saying, I forgive you 370? That would be a party, I know. So he goes out, and he, he, he can't believe his luck. He's, he's celebrating. He's saying, I've just been forgiven. I've just been forgiven. 370 million rand. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And he sees a guy across the road who owes him an equivalent of 60 rand. Look at the contrast. 370 million to 60. And he goes to the guy and says, hey, hey, you must give me 60 rand. And the guy says, I haven't got it. Please forgive me. No. Jail. Can you imagine the stupidity? <laughs> this guy's friends goes to the king and says, you just forgave that guy 370 million, but he had our friend thrown into jail. And the king says, Call him back. He says, now. Now look at his predicament. He was just going to be sold into slavery. Now, you and your family are going to be handed over to the torture room. Wait, understand the words of Scripture here. We're in a much worse predicament when we walk in unforgiveness than when we're not. Ephesians 4 31 to 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. Forgiveness. 
listen, if we're going to run effectively this race that the Lord has set out before us, if we're going to run this race, we have to do it without carrying too much weight. And you yourself are going to have to do this. You yourself. The Bible says you lay aside every weight. Yeah? The Bible says the government is on his shoulders. But the Lord says to us on numerous occasions, you're responsible for laying things aside. When Peter talks about humbling yourself, he says, you humble yourself. It's our responsibility to bring ourselves low and to humble ourselves. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 that we need to lay aside our anger. Now is the time to cast off and throw away all those rotten garments of anger and hatred. It's our responsibility. You do it. You make a decision. I'm all for the fact that when we pray for people and there is a power encounter and the Holy Spirit comes and there's a demonic spirit that takes place and there's deliverance that takes place, it's wonderful when that happens. But so much, most of the Christian life is about making a decision to follow God and to honor His Word. How about the second one? When you cast off these weights, leave them at the foot of the cross. A beggar came into a hostel one day and he had his fist clenched. And he was brought in and he was offered a bowl of soup and a lovely fresh roll but he couldn't grab a hold of the spoon to eat the nourishing soup and to eat the bread because his fist was clenched. And when they asked him what was inside, it was an old, stale piece of crust. Let it go. Let it go. We're like that beggar at times where we grab a hold of some old, stale, crusty piece of bread. And we don't enjoy the nourishment that the Lord wants to give to us. Let it go. You know, in, in the biblical times, there was an execution that was worse than the cross. It was a terrible, terrible execution. But there was an execution that was worse than the cross. And what they did was that they tied a dead body to your life body. When you had been sentenced to death, they tied a dead body to you. Arm to arm, leg to leg, torso to torso. And the man had to carry that rotting corpse around with him day and night until putrefaction took place and that dead body began to eat into the life body. So the Apostle Paul refers to this. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 24, he says... Who will deliver me from this body of death? And the next verse he says, But thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will deliver me from this body of death? We need to cut away. God has cut away all our sins, all our past, all our weaknesses. 
don't you dare pick stuff up and weigh yourself down. And you need to unload daily. Last week, Skulk stood up when all of us had to share what one dominant principle would you have for your family. And Skulk said, yeah. He said, you say every day, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And I want to suggest to you that we do that, and we do that often. We do that often. In Matthew chapter 5, there is that passage where Jesus said, when you come and you present your offering, and there, if you know that somebody has something against you, not you have something against somebody, but if you know that somebody has got something against you, you take the initiative and go and rectify that. And we do that daily. Each of us, and don't dare give, I don't have enough time. That's a bad excuse. Each of us has 1,440 minutes a day, which equates to 86,400 seconds. All of us have got the same. Make sure that you have the time each day to do that. And look to Jesus. I hope that we go into this new season, go into Christmas and into the new year, looking to Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. You remember that situation that took place when uh, the disciples were in the boat and there was a storm and um, they, they, they saw Jesus walking to them on the water. And it was Peter who said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And he got out of the boat and he started walking towards Jesus. And I think for a moment he took his eyes off Jesus. He looked at the storm. He looked at the waves. And he began to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus. Just for a moment he realized he had temporary amnesia. And he, was, he thought he was going through this alone. He's not going through it alone. Fortunately, Jesus came to him, pulled him up, and they walked back to the boat together. <coughs> How about <coughs> that great prophet of God, Elijah? There was this confrontation that was taking place between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And the people were torn. The people of Israel were torn. And the 400, he, he, he said, he said, I, I, I want to give a competition. He said, you prophets of Baal, you call down fire from heaven, and we'll see who the true God is. And he said, you go first. And 450 prophets of Baal cried out. They cut themselves. They wailed, and nothing happened. And then he said, right, we're going to do that. He says, bring water. Pour it on the, on, the, on, the, on the sacrifices. And fire fell from heaven and consumed the bullocks, consumed the stones, consumed the, the water. And the people began to, to realize that they had been conned. And they began to turn back to God. And, I mean, th this, th this is the horrific part of the story. Elijah said, you get a hold of these, seize these prophets, these 450 prophets of Baal, and... Elijah himself killed 450 prophets. Then he decided to go to the gates of Jezreel, and Ahab was going to go back. And Elijah 
outran the chariots of Ahab. And he waited at the gates of Jezreel until Ahab came out after he had told Jezebel of what had happened. And Jezebel was furious. I think maybe secretly Elijah hoped that Jezebel had had a change of heart, but she didn't. And she said, I'm going to get you. And for a moment, Elijah took his eyes off the Lord and focused on the fear that came from this woman that he feared, Jezebel. The interesting thing about that story is that this man single-handedly defeated 450 prophets of Baal, single-handedly outran the chariots of Ahab, Ahab, and he was fearful of this woman just from one word. I'm going to get you, Elijah. And everything changed. It's dangerous to turn our focus away from the Lord. And I don't think Elijah ever, ever recovered. Yes, God took him up into heaven in a fiery chariot and took him up to be with himself. But although he did that, he never, ever returned to that cutting edge of what God was doing in his life because he took his eyes off the Lord. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off him because he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Do you have stuff to lay aside today? Let's go into a time of prayer together. Let's pray. Once again, I want to remind you of Colossians 3 and verse 8. Now is the time to cast off and to throw away those rotten garments. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Lord, we let go. We let go of those weights that are hindering us. Those weights of self-pity, of blaming, of anger, bitterness, resentment. As I say those words, you know the people that have caused that. Don't become that person's slave by trying to get back and thinking of ways of getting back. Have a spirit of forgiveness and say, in Jesus' name, I forgive because I want more of what God wants to give. I want more of his mercy. I want more of his love. So we lay those things aside, Lord. If you're holding on to past hurts, I want to say to you this morning, let it go. If somebody has angered you, let it go. If you are holding on to thoughts, thoughts of evil and revenge, let it go. If you have picked up a bad attitude, release it. Let it go. If you keep judging others in order to make yourself better, let it go. If you continue to feel depressed and stressed, let it go. Let the past 
be the past. Let it go. So I'm going to ask for a response right now. And I'm going to pray for those that are going to stand up. If you need to release stuff today, to lay aside that weight, whatever that is, if God has spoken to you during this time this morning, I want you just to stand. This is a moment where you declare, I'm making this decision in the presence of God and in front of everybody else, I'm making this decision to let it go. So if you've made that decision today, if there's anything that you need to let go, I want you just to stand right now and make that stand and make that statement of faith.